When you found me on the beach, I was not breathing. You thought I was dead. I made a mistake. No, you did not. I had been in the water for days. I am immortal. You have know the difference between a dead man and a live one. On my honor, I am not lying to you. You are truly immortal? I... Are many gaijin immortal? No. But some of your people are. Amazing. So is your answer. I say no. Why? You love life. You love your children. You cannot save honor with a lie. Scottish body. <laughs> Welcome to Highlander Rewatch, the podcast where each and every week we talk about another facet of the Highlander universe. I'm one of your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. And welcome to our inaugural episode of the third season of Highlander, the series. For That's the record, right. you do not have a Scottish body. <laughs> that is you do have true. a Scottish buddy. Who's that? Uh, Duncan McLeod. Duncan McLeod. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's all our. He's all of our Scottish buddies. For a second, I thought you meant you. (laughs) I was like, are you Scottish? I am part Scottish, I found out. uh, So, uh, welcome to the third season of Highlander Rewatched. Uh, We just finished up a four-part series talking about Highlander 2, The Quickening. I I was damn proud of how concise we made that. Only four episodes about that thing. Yeah. Yeah. It could have gone on forever. It could have gone on for seven. Some people were disappointed. (laughs) And some people... well, some people were disappointed because we didn't go for seven episodes, and some people were disappointed because we did four. <laughs> Mainly Vince. <laughs> Thanks, Vince. Thanks, Vince. But we're fine. Yeah, for Vince, we're here at the Samurai. You've been clamoring for this for like three months. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, it's actually been a while since we've talked about the series, because we wrapped it's up so long. Uh, our Series 2 podcast like, at the end of November. Oh, and wow. then we did a bunch of podcasts from the ill-fated LashCon convention. Ill-fated is fun. a very polite way to put uh, it. Yeah. But there's a lot of fun stuff we got to do there and talk sure. to the Swordmasters and amazing fans, all that sort of good stuff. There was some good podcasting adjacent to a dumpster fire. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and then we did Highlander 2, which took, obviously, a month to do. So now we're back into the thick of things with Highlander Season 3. One of my, I mean, It might be my personal favorite season. Yeah. I mean, also, just... Holy shit, this season gets good. Oh, yeah. This, this is, is like a this is what we've been major waiting for. benchmark in this series. Yeah. Uh, but before we get into this, there's a couple other things that we want to talk about. Uh, there's a new Highlander convention coming up this year in October. And, of course, Highlander Rewatched will be uh, one of the places you can find out more information about it. Uh, so we're going to be releasing information as it becomes available to us. Uh, but just stay tuned to our Facebook page and the Highlander Worldwide Facebook page uh, for all the convention details, which is going to be in la this year and i think there's going to be a lot of really great guests and events and it's going to be a three-day long convention full of stuff to do so it's going to be really cool nice we're excited about it la la land that's right the winner of the oh sorry Uh-oh. <laughs> hey. 
Uh, and also, Avon, do you want to talk about uh, another brand new Highlander thing that came out recently? Yeah, so um, I put this on the Facebook page, but a new Highlander comic book is out. It's going to be a four-issue limited series, I believe. It's called Highlander The American Dream. What is that name about? Also, I, I just want to know. note that the cover has a mountain of skulls on it. So is this yep. like a real indictment of capitalism? Is that, <laughs> is, that, is that what this book's about? Well, let me talk about this cover for one second. This one is of by, eight million covers yeah. there for this book. This is this covers by Francesco Francavia, who's actually a really good comic book artist. I like him a lot. But this is a, a reused cover. Um, this was for a Mondo like Steelbook special edition DVD of the movie. So I guess IDW just like bought this image or right. was given this image. A little disappointing though that they didn't really get a new <laughs> piece of artwork done for the cover. I think they have one new cover. Yeah, there's. Um, I'm, I'm not sure which artwork is for. Which covers? Yeah, released a couple covers. I feel like I've yeah. seen on the internet. There's like a bunch of these floating out there. I'm not sure which ones. For yeah, which. I don't know which is the real one. Um, but this is an IDW comic. Uh, it's written by Brian Ruckley with art by Andrea Muti, and colors by Vladimir Popov. Um, so this is out. You can buy it now on comic stands. Um, go out and pick it up and give it a read. And you know we're going to be talking about it in the future yeah we don't want to talk about it this episode we're going to dedicate a full episode to all four issues so rather than talk about them all separately uh once the series of four is complete tune in to us and we're going to have a special bonus episode about our thoughts on the four issues yeah and i just want to say real quick about that um like for these types of comics if you have a local comic book store and they're not carrying it you can actually ask them to order it for you most comic shops will do this that's kind of how comics are sold most of them are sold because you go up to the, you know, the cashier and request them the special order something for you. So don't be scared. Uh, go up there and order it. <laughs> don't and, be scared uh, by that nerd behind yeah, the counter yeah. wearing a Black Lantern shirt. Yeah, exactly. Like it's uh, it's it's relatively common if you don't see this on the stands. Um, and there's a pretty good website you can find. It's I think it's called ComicsDropLocator.com if you don't know where your local comic book store is. And this is also available digitally. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, yeah, is it digital? Yeah, uh, if you go to comicsology.com, you can get it pretty easily. So, uh, yeah, awesome. good stuff. Cool. So we've got one item in the mailbag. Actually, we have a bunch of items we've got in, the a lot in the mailbag. Uh, but we're going like to be tackling Christmas. that in a special uh, bonus episode, which is coming out later in the week, where we uh, answer a bunch of reader mail about Highlander 2. So we're saving that since we have so much. Uh, but we have uh, a little Christmas present here from one of our fans. Anyway, uh, do you guys want to open up uh, this little package we got here? And this is from Misty C from Yakima, Washington. Ooh. Oh my. Uh, what do we oh. got there, Kyle? Oh. We have a very old school looking, well worn Highlander catalog. Super exciting. Awesome. We cannot this is wait. Sweet. Yeah, we can't wait to talk about this. Oh, it's got some really good stuff in it. So uh, we've been reading from what, the nineteen ninety nine and two thousand catalog. As well as a pamphlet that we are like a brochure thing, like yeah. it was like a poster. Uh, so anyway, this is a catalog we did not have in our collection, and Misty was nice enough to contact us, and she was like, "Do you guys want this?" And it's like, "Of course." Uh, so thank you so much, and thanks for listening to the podcast. And uh, if anyone out there has any cool like High- Highlander memorabilia or catalogs or kind of just weird things like this, let us know and either send it to us or say, take pictures and you know contribute because we're. Looking forward to making this part of our show. So yeah. thank you very much, Misty. Thank you. Yeah, That's this been is the mailbag. super cool. Whoop, whoop. Mailbag. All right. Are we ready to talk about episode one, season three? Yeah. So this is The Samurai. It aired September 6, 1994. It's on a Tuesday. As usual, I love to look up what days these episodes <laughs> wow. are. 
It's on a Tuesday this time. Has it been consistent, like, what days these things are coming out? Uh, listen to our next episode to find <laughs> out. <laughs> no, I'm guessing it's the answer to that. You'll have to, you'll have to, wait, have and to wait and see. It could be That's the right. same. Yeah. It'd be amazing if it was the same. <laughs> Building that suspense. Surprise. <laughs> Stay tuned, listener. Yep. This the is going to get us yes. listener, repeat listeners. Listener. Yeah. One listener <laughs> will stay tuned for that reason. Uh, so the director of this episode was Dennis Barry. Uh, of course, we've seen him recently do Counterfeit Part 2, uh, yeah. Prodigal Son, Pharaoh's Daughter. The Vampire. Oh, The Vampire. Yeah. The Vampire. Yeah. Mo- mostly good episodes. Mostly yeah. good episodes, yeah. yeah. Pharaoh's Daughter, but... Yeah. <laughs> He, he tends to deliver on yeah. his episodes. There always those are some high quality well selections in there. The writer of this was Naomi Jensen. Uh, she is the woman that wrote uh, Gentle Ben Two, the Gentling. <laughs> Remember her, uh, Gentler uh, Ben. Yeah, Gentler, Gentler Ben. ben. <laughs> uh, but she also wrote Studies in Light and Run for Your Life. Run for Your Life. Yeah. So, which were two very good episodes. Yeah. Yeah, and this is, I believe... Hey, she's a woman, you know what I mean, Richie! I think think this is the last episode she wrote, I think, which is a bummer, before she did Gentler Ben. Going out on a high note. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. This episode guest stars Tamlin Tamita as Midori Koto, uh, and she's in the new Teen Wolf. Uh, She's been like Law and Order, tons of other stuff, but the thing she might be most well-known for, and it was her very first thing, was she is the female lead in Karate Kid 2. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. Wow. That's the one with the drum, right? The secret move in that one is punching Just someone punching them them over and, and over again in the face. Yeah. Kind of like a drum. Wow. <laughs> I, I love special moves in anything. That is the laziest special move I've ever seen. <laughs> I, lo- I, I, like like I like Karate Kid 2 a lot, oh, I, I still like that movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, is that the one like where they're in Japan yes. and there's like a storm or something? Yeah. I watched that on... In a bar with no sound. What? <laughs> That's how I saw that movie. Wow. You see a lot of movies in bars. I drink was that a lot. also the first time you saw like Highlander Endgame or something yes. like that? that was a- I saw Highlander Endgame for the first time in the Kyber Pass pub in Philadelphia with no sound on. I remember you were texting me yeah. while, while you were watching. I looked it. up and I saw Christopher Lambert and Adrian Paul on the screen at the same time. And I was like, oh my God. Because <laughs> I was drinking expensive beers. Yeah. Kyber's good, man. It's great. Yeah. I love it. The Kyber Pass Pub in Philadelphia. <laughs> Why are we giving these ads away? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, this episode also stars Stephen McCaddy as Michael Kent. Uh, he's in tons and tons. He's and in tons so of stuff. much shit. Uh, he was in Watchmen three hundred. Uh, he was the voice of Shade in the mm-hmm. Shade in uh, Justice, Justice League. League. Yeah. Uh, but he's been in tons of TV. Beauty and the Beast, the old 1989 one. Beauty and the Beast. That's right. He uh, was uh, Elaine's psychiatrist boyfriend oh, right. on Seinfeld. And I was like, where do I know this guy from? And that's where I chiefly remember him mm. from. He's good. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah, he's good. Very uh, ominous. And then, of course, Robert Ito stars in this episode. And he's back because we've already seen him as Johnny Leong yeah. in Revenge of the Sword. Uh, so this is another one of those classic instances where they decide to cast one of the stars of an episode as a, star, a completely different character yeah. in another episode. Yeah. Although this is a, a much better role. Oh, definitely. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. He, he's really well suited for this role. Yeah. And I didn't quite buy him as Johnny Leong in the Revenge of the Sword yeah. episode. Because he was a shitty character. Yeah. <laughs> like, in like a kind of forgettable episode. Yeah. I just want to say about this guy, every cartoon I watched as a kid, this guy did a voice on. I just want like... He was on Animaniacs, Batman the Animated Series, Darkwing Duck, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, Tailspin, uh, Ed Grimley, Chuck Norris, Karate Commandos, The Real Ghostbusters, Gargoyles, SWAT Cats, oh, <laughs> Superman, Avatar The Last Airbender, 
which was more recent, but like every cartoon I watched, yeah. he did a voice in, which wow. is kind of nuts. And I'm also a big nerd who watches a lot of cartoons. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good. And then finally, Hiro Kanagawa as Akira, the uh, the lover in this. Uh, he was on Heroes, Caprica, and I remember him as the principal of Smallville. Whoa. Oh. Like in the high school, he was the principal. How about that? So he was in like a bunch of episodes of that. And you guys were on an episode of Smallville. We were in the special features. On a of... bonus. Oh, okay. <laughs> and and anything where they talk to us was cut out. Yep. It's oh. just like a still of us in a diner. And Keith looks very intimidated by a hamburger. <laughs> He's like looking at it like it's going to bite him. <laughs> Is that why they cut it? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I think uh, our stories were too raw, man. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. It's time for one of our favorite segments, the IMDb episode description. Yes, yes, yes. All right, guys. This episode is about a cheating wife flees her husband when he kills her lover. She turns to Duncan for help. She shows him an old spy scope. Duncan recalls when he last saw the spy scope (laughs) and how he got his katana. Duncan soon discovers her husband is immortal. <laughs> what? <laughs> I love the use of the phrase, repeated use of the phrase spy, spy scope. Yeah. Spy scope. So spy <laughs> glass would make sense. Spy scope. Duncan recalls the last time he saw the spy scope. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird, like, also that I like that they describe her as a cheating wife. I mean, that is Accurate. what she does, but it just sounds like. Yeah, it sounds really. Negative. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not good. No. Cheating wife. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Let's hop into this episode. We should start with the opening credits. Philip Aiken is back. Yeah. No more more Maurice. I got so pumped when the theme came on. I know. Like, it had been a minute, and I was like, yes, here we are. Born to be kings? I'm not sure about that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so this episode opens uh, with like a sh- like I guess we're in like Tokyo or something. You're it's some modern Japanese, Japan yeah, modern Japan, yeah. Uh, and it zooms in on like a hotel room, uh, and two people are. I assumed this was their ugly home. It's like really their apartment. Is oh, I like guess it's an apartment. Nice in like a real shitty '90s way with like pink carpet. Yeah, I was like. This this place cost a lot of money and is very ugly. And lots of like it's vertical like, blinds yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Like, and they have like a black leather bed awkwardly <laughs> in the middle of the room. <laughs> it's weird. It's tacky, is what yes. it is. Yeah. Tacky. See, that's oh. how you know the villain lives there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, there's like vaguely offensive music in the background. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like all the Kodo drums? Yeah. It's like, not, it was like weird, like, kind of, this music is to let you know you're in Tokyo type right. music. <laughs> These two people, I guess, have just got done. With- they, they were just making coffee. Yeah, yeah, they were just making coffee together in bed. Making coffee. Uh, and so it's our heroine, uh, Midori, and mm-hmm. her lover, Akira. Yep. I don't know. He's fawning all over her, but she, I guess, seems to be feeling guilty. Like, she does not yeah. want his You never let me compliment you. Yeah. Maybe I don't deserve compliments. <laughs> She's got a raspy voice. Yeah. yeah. That's what she <laughs> said. That was a clip we played. <laughs> it's sort of drinking all that, Midori. Yeah. <laughs> so. Is, is that like a melon liqueur? Yes. It's like green. Gross. Uh, Kent, Michael Kent, calls on the phone. It's her husband. And he's like, oh, I was headed to the airport. I left my briefcase in the closet, so I'm coming back for it. So uh, I guess she tells Akira, like, get your shit together. You got to get out of here. So he goes to leave. And I guess then she checks the closet and realizes the briefcase isn't there. That's right. And she gets suspicious because she's like, "Uh uh-oh, he's like up to some no good. That's a trap. Right, it's a it, trap. It, it is yep. a trap. So two goons grab Akira in the hallway. Yeah, these two white guys grab him and like drag him down to the parking garage. And we get another look at this guy, Kent. 
He's like kind of a, he's got an intimidating face. Oh he's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's got yeah. like a real kind of like craggy face. My notes refer to him repeatedly as Casanova Frankenstein because I couldn't remember his real name. <laughs> <laughs> I just refer to him in my notes as Hubby. 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 Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he pulls out a sword, and it yeah. turns out he has a Muramasa blade as well. So mm-hmm. we'll find out because Duncan turns out has the same sort of sword, which I think is important, yeah. but doesn't really get explored from the 16th century. Right. And so he talks about how this they would test the blade strength. It's kind of badass. Yeah. He gives like a bad, a very scary it's description awesome. of this. Thing. Yeah. Do you want to do we want to play it? Yeah, let's play this yeah. clip because it's yeah. pretty rad. This is an authentic samurai katana Japanese made by the sword. great master Muramasa <laughs> in the 16th century. 30,000 repetitions of pounding and folding to make this blade. You know, they used to test the blade by lining up condemned men to see how many would cut through in one stroke. This one did five. It's recorded under here. Truly, a labor of love. Something bad's about to happen to Akira. And, and his wife, Midori, has you. come downstairs talk to, to see this. You should have talked to me before you started screwing my wife. Oh. My wife. He's gearing up for the swing, and he's out of here. Pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> he's a good bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, that was super intimidating. And, yeah. like, his voice is great. He's got an intimidating presence. He's very tall. Yeah, big guy. Uh, so Midori's in shock, and I guess she runs back up to the uh, apartment, and Michael ends up back up there as well to confront her about this whole thing. Uh, so she's like, I knew there wasn't a briefcase, and like, so he calls her out, like, I killed your lover. And then he gets like fucking gross, and he's like, make love to he's me like, now. Like, yeah. You can never leave me. Never. Make love to me. <laughs> yeah. I just have just like a bunch of sad faces after that. It's yeah. like, oh, this guy's very rapey. Midori t- decides to stab Kent. Yeah, she has, like, a sword hidden or a knife hidden. Uh, Uh, I think the music in this scene is, like, really great. Like, it's really, like, all these, like, kind of cranking sounds. And uh, I don't know. I think the music in this whole episode actually is pretty top-notch. Yeah. It's it's really cool. All the the Kodo drums that are playing, and it's got a lot of energy to it. It's good stuff. Yeah, like, the drums a lot remind me of the... um, akira soundtrack the anime movie because that Fitting. has a lot of those drums that's right yeah. in in that as well all right so now we cut and we're back into the gym the Which, gym i'm super pumped to see charlie it, do, it does feel like charlie just like burst into somebody's apartment everyone's like oh charlie <laughs> like, but my notes is just like oh it's so good to see charlie again i know they, like i don't know what it is i love this guy like him and mac crush yeah, it every time they're on screen together. Is so much better than like the average chemistry between Richie and Mac that like yeah. I don't know they just like they work but Clay can just like Clay Aiken Philip Aiken Philip Aiken I find just like his presence on screen is just like kind of really warm I don't know yeah. he's great uh, and a lot of times on this show we talk about the, the like the bromance between Charlie mm. and Mac and so I think we got to play this clip because I don't know if anyone noticed this line oh god yeah Klaus, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Take it five, Jenny. <laughs> Welcome back. Good to see you. Good to be back, Charlie. Yeah, well, you're looking pretty good. Yeah, you too. Now, I thought the doctor said, uh, take it easy. Well, he also said, uh, 
all the parts work. <laughs> <laughs> he gets that so is, scared up. Yeah. That's really flirty. Like, <laughs> and they are like looking at each other. They're up gonna and down. go upstairs and, like, and fuck <laughs> <laughs> right now. <laughs> I'll just also like you, son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, predator. So yep. Mac has been gone in Paris for like six months. This is the first time they've seen each other in a long time, and so Charlie is like. You've got a visitor like waiting for you in your office. And so I was like, hold on one second. Like, how did this all work out? And it's Midori who's come to, yeah. to visit him. So at this point in the scene, the logic of it is one, this woman shows up and obviously has talked to Charlie. And she said she's there to see Mac. So two, Charlie must have said something like, oh, well, he's in Paris and he's not around. And then she was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to wait in his office and wait for him. Like, why is she, <laughs> why is she still there? Well, maybe Mac, maybe Charlie knew he was coming back. Yeah. Oh. It's like, this is the first time they've seen each other, but he knew he'd be back today. Or like, would that be dropping sense. by. Maybe? No, yeah. that makes sense. Because otherwise it makes zero <laughs> yeah. sense. Right? Honestly, so, in his office. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the way I was yeah. 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 So She's going to chill out. Path of least resistance. Yeah. <laughs> well, she has nothing Humans else Humans sometimes to do. communicate their plans to each other before they appear randomly. <laughs> no, they don't. Sometimes. <laughs> Every once in a while. Actually, this entire recording session was like spontaneously put together. Yeah. We all just happened to show up at this place at this time, and there just so happened to be recording equipment set up. So like, fuck it. We also just so happened to see these episodes of Highlander, so let's go. That's right. There we go. <laughs> By <All> chance. Right. <laughs> uh, so Mac and Midori go upstairs, and they're talking in his loft. Mac's making some tea and says some coffee, which is good, so he's... Making tea to impress, obviously, because if he made coffee, she'd bounce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like, you're not good at this, or he's very good at it. <laughs> oh, I just uh, wanted to say, the first time he sees Midori, he has, like, a weird flashback to a woman in a kimono. Oh, that's for, right. For, like, just a second. Yeah. Mac is wondering why she's there, and she hands him a telescope. Mm-hmm. Or a spy lens, or, a spy, or whatever. A spy, they, spy glass. Scope. Yeah, yeah. Spy glass is what is a real thing. <laughs> that is a word for this. Spy scope is. Spy scope is a item you can get in siphon filter. <laughs> really? No, I don't know. <laughs> I used to play those games. Yeah. Uh, I love those. They're good. So Max says this spy scope represents uh, a promise made to the Kodo family over 200 years ago that the Kodos could always come to the McClouds when they needed help. So we get a flashback. Japan, 1778. Yeah, we get a title card, which is nice. Yeah, which seems to be a trend in this season. Yeah, which is very good. Yeah, but uh, Mac is washed up on the beach along with some boat bits. <laughs> Can I get this boat bits? Boat bits. <laughs> yeah. I, I like boat bits on my salad. Yeah. Mm. Robert Ito, mm-hmm. Koto, he, yeah, he comes over. Koto. And he finds Mac, and it looks like he's dead. He like yeah. rolls him over. And then a bunch of like samurais, or these goons show up. Yeah, yeah they're, they're like just samurai like or just samurai or Yeah, and they, they start yeah. fighting Robert Ito. For uh, some reason. For some reason. I don't yeah. know what's going on. Uh, yeah. But then uh, I guess Mac is revived, presumably because he got turned over yeah. uh, by Robert Ito. So he's not drowned anymore. I guess. Uh, and then yeah. uh, he kind of helps Robert Ito. Uh, the choreography. Yeah, the Robert Ito does most of the work. Yeah. yeah. Like... They they almost like play up at this point how kind of like clumsy Duncan is like yes. he's like tripping in the water like his like footwork is all lousy yeah but like you know he still holds his own but yeah. they they're definitely teasing that he's got a lot to learn yeah. yeah this is like the big turning point for Mac in general in the whole series I'd say like, like the arc of his character because he's a pretty stoic character 
in the present day, uh, especially like in season one, we saw him as like uncomfortably snowy. Yeah. Like, uh, but this is kind of him becoming kind of grown up. So this was transition from Barbarian Duncan, which right. he's referred to as Barbarian multiple times in this, which I find very satisfying. But yeah. uh, right. like the transition from Barbarian Duncan to modern Duncan. Yeah. Hideo chops Max's sword in half at some mm-hmm. point. Which uh, is awesome. Which is awesome. <laughs> and it's, I guess, to show how great his sword is and how crummy yeah. Max's sword is. We should also mention Hideo's sword is Duncan's sword. Yes. This is the dragon head. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Hey, Keith. Have you heard about the amazing promotion that we're running? Uh, you mean the one about starting season three? Yeah, that one. What's the promotion? As a special gift for our starting our season three, you can get 30% off on our sweet, sweet Highlander magnets. That's a number that starts with three, like hey, the season. Oh, what thematic pairing. <laughs> if you haven't seen them yet, Keith, what kind of amazing magnets can you get from us? We have an awesome five piece magnet collectible set uh, done by resident artist Eamon featuring five of the characters from the Highlander television show. We've got Duncan McLeod, Amanda, Joe, Mythos, of course, we're meeting in season three, woo! Uh, And a very special uh, Highlands warrior Duncan, uh, which is really cool. They're all rad. By checking out these magnets, you're not only supporting this podcast, you're supporting local artwork and your favorite rewatchers. So, you know, keep this fandom alive, support these magnets, and get 30% off while you're at it. Yeah, 30%. And this is a limited time offer. This deal is only running for two weeks. So make sure to head over to our Facebook page. And again, this deal is only available on our Facebook page. 30% off for these two weeks. Uh, so click on the Shop Now button and pick up your magnet set today and display your fandom in style. So then we cut back to the present. Majori's like, oh, that promise was made by your ancestor like 200 years ago. And Mac is like, time doesn't like weaken a vow or whatever. Unless you're uh, a murderer. A murderer. In, uh, what's this? Drakoff and Warmonker. Because then oh, fuck yeah. you. Yeah, then t- <laughs> then your time dead. does weaken it. <laughs> that is a great point that I yeah. didn't think about. <laughs> right. I was thinking about that a lot. Especially because she's like, she comes right out and tells him what she did like yeah oh like i'm a killer <laughs> yep right interesting hmm. and mac's like okay that's fine yeah it's okay whatever right. yeah <laughs> it's okay going downstairs i guess mac tells charlie that he's got to hop off to japan to help midori out with this whole situation uh there's a weird bit of adr dialogue because mac is like oh i'm heading off to the land of the rising sun did you notice this mm-hmm. like for some reason they had to re-record this dialogue and i was trying to think what could it have been and my only guess is it's the land of rice and something else and they thought that was not appropriate <laughs> i can't what? figure out what the other thing would be but yeah. i can't figure out why it's adr unless it was just some weird problem with the audio it's yeah, probably maybe. that yeah because why would they say that it's so strange like I, I had to watch it like four times i was like why is this adr like it seems out of place but that's weird yeah <laughs> i also just want to mention there's oh. a lot of like touching with mac and charlie yeah. during this like when they're like he's like can you watch after the dojo and they're like they're constantly touching each other i'm just like they if they were married i'd be like sure that's yeah. that's what this is <laughs> maybe they were maybe they were so amen what happens next uh midori's going to her hotel room i guess to get her shit and then who appears but dead husband, Michael, whatever his name is. Kemp? Kent. Yeah. Kent. Not Kemp. Michael Kent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is alive. And we find out now that he is immortal. Matt gets the buzz. And it's like, uh-oh. Right. Yeah. 
Of course, she's like suitably freaked out. Yeah. Because she's quite confident that she killed him. I was a little confused at first. Did anyone think this was in Japan? I did. I did too. It took yeah. me a second to. It wasn't until like much later he comes back and sees Charlie and Charlie's like, I thought you were going to Japan. Right. Yeah. 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 Like, I thought she was headed back up to that apartment that she normally stayed at or yeah, whatever. Yeah. That's yeah. what I thought it was too. Yeah. I, I was pretty confused. Yeah. Apparently, uh, I was looking at the script. There's like a bit of cut dialogue that was supposed to be here that would have mm-hmm. clarified it. And I guess when Mac is waiting in the lobby, he's on a payphone. Uh, and he's ordering the tickets to Japan. Mm. So that would have let us know where we are. But yeah, yeah. I, I just assume we were in Japan at this point. Yep. Kent sees them together, and he does kind of like a Batman disappear thing, right. which is kind of cool. Because he throws a smoke pellet. Yep. <laughs> After Commissioner Gordon asks him a question. Yeah. Harvey Dent. Can he be trusted? <laughs> so uh, I guess... Back at Max's place, Midori can't, like, she's like, I know I killed him. And she, he makes up some sort of excuse, like, well, you probably just missed, missed the, vital the vital organ, organ or something. Yeah. But there was Mac, some of course, knows what's up. Japanese saying for that. that Did I anyone look this down. up? Onitata. 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 Which means big demon. Mm. What? That's what, I, that's what my research found. What big o- I wrote Onidata. Onidata. I wrote Onitata. I got nothing. One means big demon. The other means big omelet. That's not true at all. Uh, Francis would have said, huge omelet, bro. <laughs> so uh, then we cut to Kent's yacht, uh, which I guess is in Seacouver. And we find out later that he like keeps a boat there. Yeah. Like, that's just okay. the thing. Yeah. Okay. He wants to find everything out about McLeod. Right. How much he's worth. What he had for breakfast. Who did he have breakfast with? It's like he should call up, what's her name, from the European Tribune. Oh, yeah. Because she knows who everyone's had breakfast with and what she's, they're eating, all that stuff. Just reminded me of the sea witch. Like, yeah, it does. It's cold. The sea witch. This is one of the first, or I mean, I guess there's been some others, but one of the first immortals that we've met that doesn't know who Mac is at all yeah like most of them are question. like oh the highlander and it's yeah. like, this guy's like i don't know what his deal is find out what the skinny is yeah, yeah this is like just a chance encounter yeah yeah they've got no beef ahead of time kobe beef uh so we get some clarification from midori on her situation with kent back in max loft uh she explains that i guess her family was like losing money or the business was mm-hmm. oh and i guess they were also going to build they wanted to tear down the family shrine as yeah. well. like they were going to lose the land and the shrine would be taken down but kent step is obviously very wealthy he stepped in to like lend them a whole lot of money that they weren't going to be able to pay back so she married into his family yeah and so mac is like money has nothing to do with honor interesting we'll talk about more about this down the road and she's like doesn't it like they were gonna just she's like doesn't it they were gonna like destroy my family's legacy if we didn't have the money yeah so we get another flashback. This is an odd transition, by the way. It, like, there's a cutout of her body that it like zooms Just in on. Yeah, yeah it's uh, odd. This, they've never done a transition quite like this. Yeah. I mean, I don't like hate it or anything, but it's, it's not interesting. It's yeah. not par for the course, I guess. But Mac is sparring with Hideo in some. I guess it's karate. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, but it's like it's so delightful seeing the table turned. Like I just kept thinking about like the Richie montage yeah. in Eye for an Eye, where he's getting like the crack kicked out of him by Mac. Get up, come on, and just yeah. Mac getting just like housed. Yep. And he's like, he thought he was going to teach him something by showing him the noble out of boxing. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Yeah. That's really funny. Also, like a side note about like the flashbacks in general, like all the flashbacks I think are really great, but like I feel like most of the episodes we've seen in the past that are the Seacouver episodes, they tend to flashback to like 
Seacouver. Like, they're always, like, American flashbacks or wherever Seacouver is. Um, I think this gives, like, a great scope to this episode that, like, the flashbacks, even though it's, like, filmed at some on some beach in Vancouver, like, it, it does – I'm, like, I buy that this is Japan. So it gives this big, like, global – expanse to this episode and even like they just throw in some like shitty stock footage of tokyo in the beginning like this episode does feel bigger i think than, definitely uh which is really nice i think yeah, uh, yeah this is like success this is quality yeah mm-hmm. so good training sequence yeah uh, mech just gets like housed and is not holding his own and a woman is kind of watching from afar that catches Mac's eye mm-hmm. and her name is it's maya maya that's right which is that really a japanese name it's spelled M-A-I-A. Okay. Like, I know Mai is a Japanese name. Hmm. I don't know if Maya is. I meant to look that up, and then I forgot to. It might be. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so then we get some more training, and uh, Hideo is showing Mac how to, like, swing his sword properly. Yeah, to properly use the katana. I, I love that he's like, is this swordplay or poetry? Yeah. <laughs> Both. Both. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is good stuff. It's also revealed that... Mac can never leave Hideo's um, home base here. Right, because I guess the uh, the emperor, or not emperor, the, the lord of the land, Shogun. this is the shogun, has like forbid all barbarians. Yeah. So if he leaves, he will be caught and killed. Yeah. Bad news. Yeah. Well, it was like historically closed <laughs> mm-hmm. until like American ships came or like, hey. Is that Commodore Perry? Yeah. It's like, yeah. hey, we will blow up your country if you don't yeah. start trading with us. Right. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like whoops yeah the set here is particularly beautiful like they're on like water and there's this weird bridge yeah it's really good yeah it's a good uh, location as hideo's talking to mac at the very end he just kind of like adjusts his sword in his like sword belt there's an actual name for it that i don't know but i thought that was funny he like <laughs> straightens it that's good uh so i guess uh hideo needs to like run some errands or shit and so he just leaves he's like hey like my daughter will take care of you so, uh, we have not mentioned at this point that Maya is played by the same actress that plays Midori. How do we feel about that? Eh, I don't care that much. It's a little weird. I actually like so it. I liked it, too. It also explains the weird cut, like flash he gets yeah. by the first time he sees her. It's like he's having a memory that's triggered by her kind of uncanny resemblance to this ancestor that right. she's seen. I think it helps kind of like tie the whole thing together and explain some of Mac's like emotional connection to the whole thing. Yeah, I- I'm into it. I think it works well to just kind of, it's a nice thread through the whole thing. They also pull something, if I remember correctly, like this in Highlander 3. I feel like the oh. love interest in that also plays his love interests yeah. in a prior life, which I kind of, I, I also kind of like that because it's like, it's not about her looking the same, but it's about you getting the same kind of emotional response from his previous love and his current love it helps you connect to both a little bit better Mm -hmm. anyway that's what's going on here so mac is in a bath (laughs) and he's singing and women this is great yeah also like they're teaching they have to teach him how to bathe right and it's like just comedy ensues yeah it's no this is a great scene i guess the the japanese custom would be you would bathe outside of the bath like you would scrub yourself down and then get in the bath to soak so you're not soaking in like dirty water <laughs> <laughs> makes sense to me this is where your clip your quote from the beginning of this episode comes from oh, did it? <laughs> <laughs> she's like he's like well this is she's like this is not how the japanese bathe and he's like well this is a scottish body <laughs> um and there's also some great line about how he he does so know how to bathe he bathes once a month right? yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's great yeah i like uh, how outraged he is 
<laughs> it's really funny. So then after this, uh, Mac gets dressed in a robe, which he really is digging. He's like, I could get used to this. And she, I guess, is feeding him like lunch or whatever. And it's a meal of sushi, uh, which Mac has never had. So again, comedy ensues as the barbarian tries to use chopsticks, which is really funny. Uh, he eats raw octopus, which is mm-hmm. not raw octopus at all. It's cooked. Uh, raw octopus is rough, man. That is chewy. Uh, Chewbacca. It looks like raw octopus. And he eats it. <laughs> it is raw octopus. He makes a good face. No, this is this is like good stuff. When Adrian Paul, I, the fact that Adrian Paul was not funnier, and it's not because of him, it's because of the script. Like that season yeah. one, he was so stoic. Like Adrian Paul is legitimately like I think he's got pretty good comedic timing most of the time. Like. He's good physically. He's like he makes goofy faces. Yeah, <laughs> the mark of any good actor. Yeah, makes yeah. Goofy, goofy faces. Expert faces. actor. Yeah. lots of goofs. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I think he's good in both of these scenes. Like, yeah, he's, he's great, great at playing like this fish out of water character. Yeah, hopefully we can see more of this mm. in his present day persona. So Mac is going to go kind of investigate what's going on. Uh, so he asks Charlie. He's like, he goes to Charlie and he's like, Charlie, can I ask you like a big favor? Can you like watch Midori? And I was like, a big favor? Like, Charlie has taken bullets for you. He's been watching the dojo for six yeah. months. It's like, <laughs> this, this is small this favor. Is no big yeah. deal at this all. Is, this is peanuts right. compared to the the price you've extracted from yeah. Charlie. Charlie's yeah. been beaten like practically <laughs> to death in the zone, like for Mac. Like yeah. all this crazy stuff. stuff. It's like, oh, I gotta ask you this huge favor. Please watch <laughs> this woman. <laughs> <laughs> which of course it results in another beating for charlie as we'll yeah. find out yeah. so maybe mac was right to be like hey yep i'm gonna ask you a par for the course favor where you get the shit beaten out of you so back on kent's boat we get an amazing scene of adr with one of kent's goons this is this oh, oh, oh yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and this voice who is this voice obviously they're not credited at yeah. all but, like we've heard this guy's adr before and i can't figure out what other character this is, is this the cop guy, Dedarius? That's who I thought it was. Dedarius. Let's get back in the car now. <laughs> yeah. Very strange ADR doubling. Yeah. Uh, but this scene also is just as a comment to the whole episode. Like, I don't know if it's because it's the very first episode in the season, so they had maybe some extra time. I feel like the editing in this episode is like spot on like yeah if the pacing is really nice like they there's actually like a fair I, I would say a fair amount more edits in this episode than there are most of the time it just feels really good and then we get this bizarre zoom in to like a, a water tank like an oil thing yeah yeah with like some sound this? effects my only guess is do you think there was another flashback planned and that and, was the dissolve and, and that was the dissolve like to the ocean or something yeah, because maybe. it's very strange it zooms in on this thing and then just zooms out and i was like this is a David Lynch movie. Like we're just, we're just, <laughs> we're just a, a random object. Yeah. Well, I, I like liked this, and also like I thought this was like really thematic and kind of cool. But then I'm also like, but if we're like actually taking apart what this is, it's like somebody like looking at a, a like prop that they bought from like Office Depot. <laughs> it's like something that's going back and forth, and it just has like blue water yeah you gotta get that blue but i kind of liked it it was like kind of ominous they play like yeah ocean noise it it could be just like somebody watching that bird that like dips down (laughs) (laughs) the water yeah i I agree like the ocean sounds it did it does feel very ominous. like it gives some great mood to the scene but it's utterly strange (laughs) and then when mcleod walks into the room like it takes its time a little bit and he like comes in from the shadows and it's like this episode in general is just a little bit more like I don't want to thematic or something yeah, in its it editing. It works, but it's kind of silly it's at funny the same you, time. <laughs> you bring that up in my notes at this point. I just have 
at this point, I am realizing this is absolutely the best Highlander episode we've seen, right? I think. Yeah. Yes. Like, I, I, I think, think even. So. It, I mean, it's been it's been years since I've seen this episode, and it's always been a top. But it's like, yeah. wow! Like halfway through the episode, it's clear that this is like just the just the overall quality and mood is yeah. so much higher. Like yeah. it just feels like such by almost an order of magnitude a more polished piece mm-hmm. compared to some of the episodes that have come before it, and unfortunately also compared yeah, to some that come, will come after. Yeah. But right. yeah. you know, just like it really shows the the, the level of refinement that this show can hit. Right. It's so, funny you say that, Keith. I just want to say, yeah. like, I watch this at home, and I have roommates, so occasionally they have to watch a Highlander episode with me. And they've seen some of the worst episodes <laughs> of this show. And they're like, why do you spend time doing this? <laughs> like, <laughs> after, like, watching The Zone. That was one of the ones they had to watch. My one roommate watched this episode with me, and he was like, this is, like, the best episode of this show I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, unsolicited comment so that i think that just speaks definitely to how good this is yeah yeah and i will also say the shit highlander episodes are like half the fun yeah definitely. oh like, we have a blast yeah. talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like yeah. they're a part of what makes this thing special yeah sure. but when people ask like ask at least me personally like why do you like highlander like this is an episode like i've never like oh i like it because it's like cheesy 90s stuff i mean like i guess i can kind of say that now like that holds a special place in my heart but sure it's like this is the real reason I think yeah. Highlander stands the test of time and should, and like people should like this show because of stuff like this. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we actually get a pretty interesting conversation about honor in mm-hmm. this scene because Mac explains that he made a promise to the Kotos to protect them. Michael's saying, like, well, I'm her husband. Right. Like, and my honor has actually been damaged because yeah. of this scenario. Like she was yeah. cheating on me. She cheated on me and then she tried to kill me. And yeah. like granted I killed him, but like for him that's also about his honor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is good stuff. It's getting a little complicated here. And it's it's also just good cuz there's like it is just I think this is why they focus just thinking about like thematically and symbolically why they focus on that little ocean office max thing cuz it's like an oil and water oh, yeah. thing. It's like a, an imperfect mixing. And it's like these characters, it's followed immediately by this interaction where there's, there's no reconciling these two. And right. that's, and the, the, the way the conversation ends is amazing. Max yeah. just like, look, like if you're going to go after her, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And that is it. Like we're done here. Yeah. Your, your move. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. You know, that's a good insight about the the Office Max toy. I like. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I don't know. I'm just, I was really trying to think of why because I I wrote that down to. It's like, what is this thing? <laughs> like, I think you're. I think you're right. I think like, that might be. What I it think is. that's like yeah. the the little symbol they tried working into it. I do also agree, though. I think there was supposed to be a flashback there. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, this conversation's like great, and I think this taps into something that is a common criticism that we raise that this episode does better, but I think could be even better still which is just to say this guy's not that evil he's definitely evil right they make him evil yeah but he is in the way he deals with mac he is less evil than a lot of the people we see him interact with and this conversation is like very rational Mm -hmm. they have different interests and i wish uh, frankly i wish this guy was less evil yeah than they presented him being like make this be purely a dispute about like honor and just, like, a difference of opinion and, like, difference of priority that leads them into conflict. But, like, they, they do extra things to make him sleazier and, like, scummier. Yeah. So you feel good about him getting, Well, I think you know. I think they're, they have to – it's this weird balance they have to – because you're right. That is a common criticism we bring up about the show is that, like, 
they don't let the bad guys be like gray enough. Like they're always like super evil because he obviously like is up to no good. Well, he's like a misogynist. He's like he's gross. Uh, yeah. He also has goons for some reason. Like, it's yeah. like that no, can't be good guys. Good. Don't have goons. Yeah, no, right. there's no goons. Good guys don't have goons. They have crews. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah they, they crew up. Yeah, they crew up. They don't That'd be a good up. t-shirt. <laughs> good guys don't have goons. <laughs> but I think wrapped up in this is they also have this problem with infidelity in the episode so if they make him an okay guy like i feel like we, we give a little sympathy to midori for cheating on him because akira seems like a nice guy he's complimenting her like whereas like kent does not compliment her at all no, he's he like possesses he's, her. yeah he possesses her where yeah. akira seems to love her and he's affectionate towards her and so it's like oh we understand like her husband is garbage so she has found this man that does legitimately love her for me at least like i kind of sympathize more with her and i i don't cast her infidelity as villainous in any way uh the cheating wife like that that term well, it's the like I- the shit they always do in rom-coms yeah like right they always inevitably break up with the person they're not in quotes not supposed to be with so they have to make that person like an inconsolable asshole right so yeah. that like you can celebrate the the breakup as opposed to like mourning the fact that yeah you know somebody's gonna be really hurt by it so i think that's a little bit of play here is that he's well, bad, so we're okay with her cheating on him. Like the, they kind of have to make him a murderer in this instance, I think, because if Matt kills him, then Matt's just a monster. Like killing her husband just for being like a misogynist right. isn't isn't okay. Yeah. But it's like being a misogynist is bad, but like it's not a murder worthy offense. Right. <laughs> but like this guy being a murderer makes it kind of okay for Mac to chop this guy's head off. Yeah. But they do kind of have to amp it up. Mm-hmm. If he was abusive, that's a different story. That might kind of put it back into maybe it's not so bad that. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's tricky. Yeah. Also, I we, should, s- we should come back to this at the end because I have more thoughts. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. like, this is a great episode. I am convinced it could be 20% better. Mm. Like, yeah. All right. I, I, well, I'm, we're gonna... I'm carving that position out now based on some of the things we've said. There's definitely we'll good cy- stuff to talk we about. Will, we end. will cycle back. Before we leave the yacht, I wanted to say two things. Yes. Before he makes the goons leave, he says, wait, don't go that way. Go out the back way. And I'm like, they're on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> they actually that... just dive into yeah, the water. That's what I was, like, do they have to like swim away? <laughs> they get into a dinghy. And the other thing is, he says that the gym, the dojo, is on the east side of Seacouver. So I'm like, oh, there's an east side of Seacouver? I guess so. And then uh, when he says they have a dojo, Michael Kent's just like, a dojo. Excellent. <laughs> and I'm like, why is that excellent? Like, oh, yes, a dojo. Maybe he wants to possess the dojo. <laughs> I guess. He's going to kill Mac <laughs> I, and take I, the dojo. That's how he gets weird. all of his real estate. And that's how talented this actor is, because he just says that poorly written line, and it's like, ooh, I'm getting the chills. Like, yeah. You know, I didn't stop, like, I think it's just because of his deliver- delivery. Yeah. I did not actually stop to think, like, how silly that is yeah, in vacuum, yeah. but, like, he, like, sells He's it amazing. Somehow. He's great. Yeah. Nothing but kudos for, yeah. for the performances yeah. in this episode. Outstanding. So Mac arrives back at the dojo to Charlie getting pummeled, and he just, like, six, sits back and watches. <laughs> yeah. It's really funny. Yeah. And Charlie is, like, legitimately kicking butt. I mean, yeah. yeah. Not yeah. Mac-level butt kicking, but, you know, Charlie's a badass. So I, I was thinking... uh as I do trying to insert some bit of irony into every fucking frame of this thing. Uh, like, in a TV show, this scene is really funny. Like, Max is smartass. He lets Charlie get beat up. If this was real life and you watched a friend, like, even though he was winning, 
like i'd be like you fucking asshole yeah. like, <laughs> you let me do that. i could have been killed like yep that's, wah, wah. Yeah, yeah. that's really funny yeah, yeah that's a great point like also charlie is like just recovered from being shot, shot in right? the in the heart like <laughs> Like, he almost died, and now he's getting, like, the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> and Max just like, bam, 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 the blues. Uh, so they go upstairs to check on Midori, uh, and she's gone. And at first, uh, Charlie thinks, like, there must have been another goon that, like, snuck in behind him. Not true. She left on her own accord. Yeah. Mm. Also, I want to point out something that Charlie indicates after getting the butt, his butt kicked. It's like, man, you're gone for six months. I didn't even get a hangnail. <laughs> like, yeah. right. You come back, and I'm getting like pummeled by these goons. And it's like, hey, you know what? This is a this is a corrosive friendship for you, Charlie. Oh, yeah. It's, it's not good for your health. It's life-threatening. <laughs> like, uh, So uh, I guess Charlie picks up the spy scope, yeah. and he's like, oh, what's this? And Mac is like... He looks like a little kid, and we get, like, a great transition. Yeah, so it transitions uh, through the spy scope. Calling it a spy spy scope scope. is insane. I mean, it's like false Tessa. We gotta keep... We gotta use the language of these IMDb descriptions. Uh, So we're back in Japan, and Mac gives this spy scope to Hideo. And I guess he explains it's a Western invention, and he shows him kind of how to use it. And just at this moment, there happen to be some, like, riders in the distance that Hideo spots. I guess he goes out to greet them and leaves Mac behind. After they have like a cultural communication moment where Mac is so impressed with the sword and it's so great and like what craftsmanship. And then, you know, he sees the spyglass. He's like, oh, I had no idea that, you know, you barbarian Westerners could make something. Yes. You know, so precise. And they have a nice little cultural exchange. Yeah. Yeah. I was I I did kind of wonder historically in this scene were telescopes and. Things like that introduced to Japan at this yeah, point. I wondered about that, I don't that know, because I feel like this is not too... This What, what year is this supposed to be? 1798 or something like that? Seven, it's like 1778. Okay. I mean, that's that's pretty late in history, I think. Like, this is an old invention. I don't, so I kind of yeah, wondered if not, it had made its way not, over Probably there. not as old as you're thinking, though. Yeah. This is like Galileo kind of stuff. This is not like... Mm. 1 BC technology. Right. right. I don't know my Japanese history. Like, I used to kind of... I used to actually read about samurai stuff, and I just can't remember it anymore. But, mm. I mean, I know Japan did kind of open its borders to yeah. the world relatively late. Mm. Um, no, it wasn't... It, I mean, that wasn't until, like, the 19th century. Yeah. Because they were forced to do so by... Right. Right, because they were isolationists for quite a while. Yeah. And in this period it was like very much so. You you shut down it's a self-contained island effectively. Yeah. I'm sure one of our Facebook followers knows it might be an interesting piece of information to have. Yeah. yeah. So then uh Mac goes and has a tea ceremony with Maya. Uh and this is a, a pretty good scene. Uh I guess Mac is asking like why do you hate me so much because like she is constantly just like throwing shade at Mac. Yeah. Oh, can I drink the tea now? Do whatever you want. Like, fuck off. Like, she doesn't give a shit. Like, she's just there to, like, babysit Mac because mm-hmm. uh, he's a barbarian. And so he explains that Hideo is his friend. And she's like, well, what, what is a friend to you? And Mac is like, a friend is, like, a valuable thing. Like, you would give your life for a friend. Maya's like, well, then my father is the greatest friend because he is giving his life for you. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. So then this, this kind of plot unravels that, I guess, by taking in... Mac, he has given himself a death, death sentence because he has sheltered a barbarian. And so the Lord is not happy with that. Yeah. I mean, is it because he sheltered a barbarian or because when the Shogun's, like, 
warriors galloped galloped up to him for no reason he pulled out his sword and like fought two of them and that's, killed them that's my question too is what, I thought what was that, that was, initial attack i think about? that was unrelated unrelated that's i think that's completely unrelated i don't think those are like the shoguns guy because also they're not in the same colors uh, people right. who rode up had like this red banner oh, okay that looked it looked different. Than so they the were just bad people. dudes. Yeah, some maybe bad they, hombres rode up. Yeah. yeah, some bad hombres <laughs> rode up. Because um, you know, during this, I mean, like individual like warlords in different territories would fight all the time, and like, sure, you know, it's I think unrelated struggle. Mm. So Mac rushes to Hideo's side, who's now in like, I guess he's trimming a bonsai tree in this kind of rice paper room. The shogun has allowed Hideo to take his own life instead of being executed. Right, because that would be honorable. Uh, so this is the clip we played at the top of the episode, but Mac has a pretty smart idea. I, actually, I don't think this section was included in the clip we played, but Mac has the idea that he's going to like spill the beans about being immortal, and he's like, no, you should kill me in front of them to like prove your loyalty and that, like you know, whatever the scheme is, maybe I forced you to hold me here or something like that, and then you'll be free to go and I will actually live. Uh, so he explains what immortality is. I think it's a pretty smart move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like a clever plan. But of course, the entire point that's being reinforced about this whole thing, it's like, no, like, I've dishonored myself by doing this thing. I can't fix it by, like, breaking the rules. I can't fix that dishonor by lying about it. Right. Uh, and that's, you know, interesting and is kind of like the central theme of this entire thing like that is like the ultimate lesson that mac learns out of this whole thing yeah honor is clearly a personal thing not a public like no matter what you do if you lie it doesn't matter because you know like you you have to be on you hold your code of honor to yourself not to others right uh also interesting point here uh mac when he's explaining the immortality thing he was like oh i was in the water for For days days. when you found me and so then i was like what does a body look like when it's in the water for days don't google it everyone (laughs) oh god Uh, really (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah sponge oh perks of immortality yeah Yeah. so i guess uh he comes out okay or would he have been some bloated gross (laughs) apparently not transparent looking sponge man (laughs) (laughs) disgusting and this is uh, when they kind of make their pact. Yes. Mac promises he will always take care of his children or protect them if they need it. And he also agrees that he will help his friend commit, you know, like ritual suicide to, right. to satisfy this punishment. Yeah. So he'll be his second. And so then it's a, a very moody scene. It's like mm. there's lightning outside. It's very dark. And Hideo, I guess, stabs himself in the gut. And then I guess to alleviate his pain, I guess that's like the tradition is that then Mac can just kill him outright to alleviate any suffering. Yeah. After they do like the killing stroke, somebody else chops their head off. Right. To Uh, finish it, I guess. The the seppuku. Yeah. Yeah. So Mac ends up considering this an honor in the end. And also something I thought that was very interesting about this is the move he does is literally the move Hideo taught him. Like this is the same stance, this like downward... Oh, hmm. strike. So it's actually kind of like an interesting kind of cyclical thing in the story is that Hideo teaches Mac what will end up being his like killing stroke. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah, that makes sense. That's yeah. pretty cool. And also part of the deal is Mac gets the sword when he's done. Yes. Yeah. So we there's a like a lot of great world building here. Like this fleshes out this character so much and really crystallizes a lot of like the the mo- the Mac motivations mm-hmm. and all that stuff. The machinations, if you will. Uh <laughs> hey rewatchers uh march is a very special month because it is the tri podcast month yeah 
Yeah. So, for people who haven't heard of it, Tripod is a special promotion that a lot of podcasts are doing, spearheaded by the, the good content creators over at NPR, who are really trying to raise awareness of podcasts and get people invested into this really cool, really dynamic medium that, hey, your rewatchers participate in. That's Absolutely. Right. So some people still don't get podcasts and why they're so special to listen or even how to listen. Uh, but you out there can change that just with the click. Uh, right now, think of somebody you care about. Maybe it's a friend, your mom, or maybe it's somebody that's on like a Facebook group, maybe a Highlander Facebook group yeah. uh, that you're part of that you think uh, they'd really love podcasting. Uh, so now all you need to do is hit that share button uh, down at the bottom of your screen, share a Facebook page, maybe share a podcast that you're listening to right now. Maybe you're listening to this podcast. Just go on your, your old phone there, click the share button and send it to a friend. Uh, it could be on a Facebook post. It could be in a text message, in an email. There's lots of ways to share stuff. Yeah. yeah. And if they don't know how to access podcasts and, you know, gain entry into this cool world of content, show them how. Give them uh, a quick blow-by-blow on how to get great podcasts. Yeah, because there's a ton of great podcasts out there, not just Highlander-centric ones. There's yeah. a lot of good stuff. And they're yeah. free. This is, you know, the one of the greatest free sources of entertainment you can find anywhere. And so uh, share your love of whatever podcast you're listening to uh, this week on Twitter, Facebook, and just uh, add the hashtag TryPod, which is T-R-Y pod. And uh, thank you guys for spreading the word about podcasts that you love. And another great way to spread the word is by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, believe it or not, we're not just looking to get like great reviews and feel good about ourselves. Uh, Though we do. We, we do, love it. We are fueled by your praise. Yeah. Yeah. Without it, without it, I'm not sure how I'd get up in the morning. Right. I'm so dependent. <laughs> uh, but every review we get, uh, whether you actually type a review or just, you know, click on four stars, five stars, you know, whatever you want to click, five stars. We'd prefer five stars. Yeah. Uh, every time you do that, uh, it helps our podcast reach other people uh, mm -hmm. because of the kind of algorithms that puts uh, our podcast in people's feed and uh, ends up being recommended. So it literally takes two seconds. Just go into your phone, click on our podcast, hit that review button. Bam. It'll done. be amazing. It's awesome. And then you spread that Highlander love all over the world. That's right. Yeah. So, Keith, other than our podcast, are there any fun podcasts that you've been listening to? Oh, who do I listen to? Let's see. Every week, I can't go without uh, CBB. That's Comedy Bang Bang on the Earwolf Network, which is a very fun comedy improv podcast if you're into that sort of thing. Yeah, with Scott Ackerman and amazing guests like Paul F. Tompkins and Jason Manzoukas. The, the hits keep on trucking. Absolutely. That's right. How about little... you, Eamon? I don't miss any week without listening to Never Not Funny, the Jimmy Pardo podcast. And he is kind of like a pioneer of podcasting in general. Yeah, so he started a... recording in his kitchen. Yeah, yeah. Kyle, how about you? All right, I'm going to go in a different direction because I was also going to name a comedy podcast. But let's do a hard stop and say I've been listening a lot to the uh, Freakonomics podcast. I try listening to that every week. It's not all just fun and games. You can get hardcore nonfiction content such yeah. as Freakonomics, which is all about behavioral economics and you know interesting projects that involve you know psychology economics and the cross-section between policy and thought it's really interesting i highly recommend it if you're listening to us just because you like highlander like maybe you like highlander you found our podcast you probably have other interests there are literally podcasts about everything right like you can find a podcast about something that interests you yeah so you I, like knitting there's a podcast about knitting there there's is probably a bunch yeah of podcasts there are about yeah there's so, pottery podcasts there's music podcasts on every genre so yeah. just do so. a search and you're, you're gonna find something good i guarantee it yeah. You're so, going to like the way you look. You're going to like the way you look. I guarantee uh, it. Also, again. there's a Men's Warehouse podcast that I listen to <laughs> every week. It's actually just an ad on repeat. Yep, that's right. Uh, so thanks again for spreading the word about podcasts and Highlander Rewatch. Hashtag tripod. Hashtag rewatch. <laughs> this is how we
Uh, so back in the present, I guess uh, Midori has shown up on the boat and she's coming back yeah. to Kent. Did you write down what the boat's called? No. What is it called? I don't. I didn't write it down. Oh. It, it has like don't tease us like that. It has like a logo on the door. It's like this is obviously just somebody's boat that they like rented. It's probably like Vancouver like booze cruise. Yeah. Line. <laughs> the SS Pussy Magnet. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. SS Sorry. Pussy Magnet. What is that a reference that's, to? That's how Kent was. Uh, when nothing. He's oh, okay. I thought you were referencing something. So then Mac and Charlie end up on the boat. Yeah, like, for some, later. Like, this reason. is a little bit of filler. Like, yeah. it's like they end up because they're like, oh, I think she came back here. Can they just get on the dock and walk onto anybody's boat they want? <laughs> right. Is that how? I guess it's like, not like gated at all. There's yeah. no guard. Open dock. Just whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, then we cut to Japan because Mac, I guess, says, like, I know where they went after this. Like, they must have returned home. Yeah. So Midori's at the Koto Shrine grounds. Right. Praying at what I, I guess is Hideo Koto's grave or memorial or something right yeah. and i i think we should play this clip and talk about a lot of what this scene is about okay yeah. sure. i chose this destiny i have to live with it what happens to me isn't important a great man rests here hideo koto it's because of him that the koto name has remained great not because of his money It's funny that a gaijin would teach me about honor. This is a mistake, Midori. Why perpetuate it? Honor. It isn't about making the right choice. It's about taking the consequences. And if I stay, I can regain that honor. Hmm. Good stuff. Yeah. So this episode, I, I one thing I love about this episode is how kind of focused it is on the theme, which is honor. There are like five characters that talk about honor. Like, so Mac, obviously, he's got to honor his promise to Koto. Then there's Hidori. Uh, he's got to honor the wishes of his lord. Like when he decides that it's a, it's like he wants to kill himself because that is the honorable thing to do. And it's what his lord wishes. So he's got a code of honor. Uh, then Kent, obviously, is he feels dishonored by being like a cuckolded husband uh then there's maya Cuckold mcleod of the clan mcleod <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and then of course uh then there is maya uh who's also feeling dishonored by the presence of a barbarian in their life and then finally midori uh feels like she has to like honor her family name so all these characters have like honor at the center of their motivation through this whole episode mm -hmm. a plus yeah Buzz Kent's here. His intro is insane. It's just like, <laughs> yep. There's a sound, and it like zooms over to him, and he's just standing there staring at them on this bridge. <laughs> and then he walks away, and it's really funny. He has his own samurai sword, which I guess we know already. Right. Yeah, and yeah. so, yeah, they're both fighting with. I, I wonder why they made them have the same sword. I, I feel like that could have, this could have easily been a two parter, too. Um, oh yeah, uh, yeah. And I think maybe getting some more backstory on him. Maybe I don't know. It's super solid as a one parter, but I kind of wonder what if there's any significance that he essentially has the same sword as Mac. Yeah, they don't really touch on that. I kind of wish they did. Yeah, because it also could have been interesting to see. Like, you know, I, I don't think we get to see his code of honor play out too well. Like he mentions, like I have to uphold my honor because she killed me and cheated on me. Yeah. Uh, like if if like both of them were because we know Mac is driven. 
by honor constantly through this series. Mm-hmm. It would have been nice to see like him be the mirror of Mac and be driven by a different set of honor. And so that when they fight, it's like really these two codes of honor coming head to head. But maybe that was at some point lost on the cutting room floor or in the script. Is this Kent's house now? The Koto shrine? That's a good question. I don't know. Certainly his money stopped it from being destroyed. I don't know if that means he, he owns it or they own it together or what the deal is. Yeah. To me, I'm like super on board this episode almost until this point. And this is where I think things get a little murky uh, on Mac's end. So Midori does not want Mac to fight Kent. And she's like, don't leave it alone. And then she's like, I release you from your vow. And Mac is like, this is not, this vow was not made to you, and you cannot release me from it. And I'm like, this, these double standards are out of control. Like, this is so weird. Yeah. And it's like, so Hideo can make a vow that binds all his offspring to Mac to be protected by him, whether they want it or not. And she clearly does not want it right now. Well, yeah. The the whole thing just becomes confusing because why did she come in the first place? Well, I guess she just changed her mind. Well, I guess she was originally coming to him. Because she needed help because she thought she had killed her husband. Right. right. The, the ingredient yeah. that changes is that he's alive, so she decides to go back to him. Right. Yeah. Because I guess maybe she, I guess, thought that her reaction was wrong, that she should not have hurt him for this thing. Well, she like... Or is she just... A, is she scared? Yeah. I mean, is that also yeah. part of this? Well, she like, probably thought, like, the police were going to come for her, yeah. and right. that's why she came. Well, so, I mean, she's okay, scared of Kent. Like, question. that's why yeah. she goes back to him, is she's just terrified of what he'll do. So it's better for me just to, like, be submissive and go back than run. It's more like she has to go back because of all this honor stuff. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, because yeah, she lays out decent reasons. I mean, yeah. at least reasons for herself that she. this is how she's justifying it. So, yeah, so these crazy double standards that Hideo can make this promise that binds all his offspring to Mac— but then his offspring cannot, like, disavow that. Like, they can't release that promise. It's like, yeah. why? Like, you're allowed to bind people in one direction, but it can't go the other way? And also, like, the, the deal was that they could always come to him for protection. She doesn't want his protection. She's like, you are not protecting me by doing this thing. Right. Don't do it. And then it's, it's, that, it's very weird. Yeah. And then at some point, I feel like Mac even, like, explains. Like, he's like, this is about – it's like, why are you explaining – like mansplaining honor to her like yeah yeah that, like that this kind of reeked of that anyway i think this is the weakest part of the episode just because it just it gets so murky and i i don't think mac looks too good in this situation so i wish ken no. did something or, the, or or she thought it would be okay to go back and then he does something again and was like you know what i'm wrong and I don't or know. she just doesn't choose to go back to him yeah you know maybe she's just having a moment like maybe this is she doesn't choose to go back this conversation happens in a moment of like doubt where she's like thinking aloud like maybe i should go back maybe it's dishonorable not to blah 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 and like maybe he you know says like no like i'm committed to helping you like you're doing the right thing and then the conflict happens not like don't fucking do it shut up i'm gonna do it anyway yeah (laughs) yeah or they're just making like kent come at mac or something so he has to fight i don't know yeah or maybe or maybe kent won't let it go at this point he's like yeah like right you you, like mac you made your decision like you decided to challenge me like yeah you don't get to change your mind now because my code of honor says that like your challenge to me has been accepted so yeah are they doing this on purpose like mac is never like absolutely in the right in any of these i mean sometimes he is but usually there's like a weird question or kind of like a inconsistency or like something i'm wondering if that's on purpose or not maybe i don't know i think there were other ways to introduce that though than this 
yeah. like than the way this is presented here. Because I feel like the challenge should come from like moral questions are murky and it's hard in any situation to know what the like hundred percent right thing to do is. Like the 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 quandary should be the source of the uncertainty, not like Mac kind of being an asshole to some woman. <laughs> like yeah. that should not be the source of like our discomfort. <laughs> Mm. Well, I think that there's an interesting question posed here, too, about, like, what is the difference between, like, honor and morality? Because they're they're different. And at least the way the discussions in this show have kind of presented honor, especially in this episode, but we've we've seen it in Warmonger with that promise. And he was like, this is about your vanity. Uh, what, what was his name? The, the, the dying... Oh, God. right. I forgot his yeah. name, but yeah. Uh, your morality, I feel like, is something that has to do with other people. It's like, this is how I interact with you and a community. Like, decisions I make impact a, a, a group larger than me. Whereas this honor thing is a deeply, like, it is solely a personal decision. Like, only one person has this code of honor, you. And you have to, that's why you can't cover it up with a lie, is because you're the only one who has to live with your code of honor. And so... Mac basing this decision on honor is, I find, like, everyone has different views on this thing. Like, she doesn't want him to do it. He does. The choice he makes is not the moral choice. He makes the honorable choice, which in some ways is selfish. Yeah. Just because he his code of honor does not line up with hers. Yeah, that is an interesting tension. I agree in with, like, 80% of what you said about, like, honor being personal, but it's also a communal thing. Like, you're also dishonored in the eyes of your peers, in the eyes of the community. Yes. Like there is, but we do have shared principles, I think, that we, we consider honorable. Right. But then there is still fundamentally an internalization right. component that is, like, the, the bedrock of the whole thing. The other thing is, like, they're both on holy ground. But they move. Oh, okay. They move, but, like... They, they leave the shrine. Okay. If Matt could have, like, not done this and stayed there so they couldn't fight... Like, he makes the decision to, like, go off holy ground and, like, settle this with this guy against everyone's wishes. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> like it's definitely weird. It's just, like, this is something I, Mac, am going to do because I want to. Yeah, no one's asking you to do this. Yeah, at this point. And, like, and it, it doesn't seem like Kent would have forced the issue. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if Mac just said, like, okay, I'm going back home, it seems like Kent would have said, see ya. Don't right. let the door hit you on the way out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is the good stuff about Highlander. Like, even though it is murky territory, it gives us, like, gives you lots of stuff to think about as a viewer or talk about, like, with your friends and family when you watch it. So, it's good stuff. Yeah. Well, I think we've all signed on very much to the David Abramowitz quote, like, the the peak, the pinnacle of Highlander is, like, a Talmudic discussion with ass kicking. This, mm-hmm. this episode this, has everything. Yeah. yeah. This definitely, this ticks all the boxes of a, like, truly great Highlander episode. And that's... Yeah, That's we got stuff. a fun sword fight. We got cool flashbacks. We have like a really good moral question, and it explores it like fantastically. Yeah, and it has Charlie. She has yeah. Char- yeah, it has great performances. <laughs> super good bromance. Yeah. Um, no Maurice though. That's a that's a wee wee column in the con column. What <laughs> wow. did I just say? That's a so, sub column within another let's, column. Yeah. Let's talk that about that comment was a con. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about this fight. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so it should be noted that this is again the first fight or the first episode choreographed by Efron McAsh. Oh. Uh, go back and listen to our Crossing Swords interview with him and yeah. Anthony Delonges. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but this is the first episode he did, and I think it's very apparent his choreography style. Especially, I think you could really notice a lot of it on the beach uh, mm-hmm. in that very first fight. Like the fight just seems more kinetic. It it feels grounded a little more. Uh, like where I feel like Bob Anderson's style 
is very theatrical. Uh, yeah. And Efron comes from that school as well, but Efron also, I feel like, not, not I don't, I don't want to speak for him, but also comes from a very practical sense of studying real-world weaponry and how does this stuff function in reality. Yeah, not just on a stage. Not just yeah. on a stage. And so, the, yeah, the fight feels really kinetic and it's, it's good stuff. Um, it is. So that the, one of the craziest moves Duncan does is he catches a blade. Yeah, well, yeah, that's at the end. That's yeah. like the the final bit of this fight. But what do we? How do we feel about this fight in general as it's going? Because like they start on the beach, they work their way into the water. There's this very weird slow mo. Yeah, the oh, slow mo yeah. is weird. Yeah, which I did not love and was confused as to why it was part of it. It definitely didn't enhance my experience of this fight. I feel like. They were just doing it to give it some extra juice or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Not not just to stretch it to 43 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> or that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. We need that extra minute and a half for the yeah. European cut. Let's add the slow-mo in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was that was odd. So then they make it up back up onto the beach and they're fighting on the rocks. It's like some real fast sword play. And Max's sword gets like slammed down into the rocks and right. he gets disarmed, which is kind of awesome. And it, like, yeah. things he gets are looking, like stuck in the rock. Yeah. Things are looking rough for Mac here. But then, Keith, what happens? So Mac catches the blade in midair. And we should listen to the man himself, Ephraim McCash, talk about this. Ooh. When I was first hired on Highlander, I was uh, on a show-to-show contract. So obviously you have to uh, be able to slot into a family that already exists. And if Adrian couldn't work with you for any reason at all, obviously you wouldn't be able to uh, hang around. In Samurai, I wanted to have Adrian at some kind of, oh, I wouldn't say disability, but it was obvious that he could die within the next second. So I had been experimenting with a move that I had seen in my study of the Japanese sword, and it's the ability to catch the blade in between the palms. Now, obviously, you're not actually seizing the blade because that would pretty much put paid to your hands. What you're doing is you're clapping the inside heel of the hand against the spine of the blade, uh, which is above the cutting edge. And I tried it a couple of times, just holding the sword and having a friend of mine increase pressure towards me to see, A, can you actually hold it? And then I had my friend slowly building up speed, actually thrusting the sword at me and me trying to actually catch the sword. And when I convinced myself that it was physically possible to do this, I then put it into the choreography where McLeod gets his sword blade caught in between two rocks, knows he can't get it out in time, simply catches his opponent's blade, and then goes into a hand technique on his opponent's arms that allows him to strip the sword away from him, reverse it, and then run him through. So it was, uh, it was kind of a nifty way of ending the fight rather than, than the ways that had been used uh, in, in previous episodes. That's awesome. And you see, again, like that dedication to practicality there, that yeah. like before you'd put it in, he's like, let's see if this is like fucking conceivable. Because right. that was the first question I had. I was like, can you do this? Or yeah. is your hand just going to get shredded? Yeah. yeah. That was like really fascinating to hear duncan doesn't actually do that if you look at the footage yeah it doesn't <laughs> quite yeah he just kind of claps his hand yeah. on yeah. it yeah but that's awesome but it yeah. seems yeah. like it is possible also is cool. i had forgotten until we just rewatched that clip and again a good reminder of how like fast and kind of furious this fight was when his sword goes down to the rock there's a lightning burst <laughs> oh, sound really? effect it's just like <laughs> when his sword hits when he like flips the sword around 
It's awesome. Yeah, it is cool. Yeah, this is rad. This is good. So how does this episode end? With water jizzing all over Duncan McLeod's body. <laughs> what? <laughs> For the quickening. Yeah. Like, when the quickening happens, like, water shoots up in the air and sprinkles on his shirt, and then you can see, like, every muscle, and, like, <laughs> it's it's gratuitous. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of daytime quickenings. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of them. Uh, so that's pretty much the episode. They then, like, light a candle on the, the grave to, to send it out. There's something I wanted to mention. When Mac pulls his sword out, Midori is like, Hey, wait a minute. That's my family sword. How do you know what it looks like? Right. I thought the same thing. There's no photography. I guess maybe there was someone did a drawing did, is, there, is there a drawing? That's why not? insane. It yeah. is weird. I can think the same thing. Like, that you would remember that drawing, so, like, maybe she did would. I don't know. I, I thought that was weird. Yeah. I mean, point. we get the impression that this sword is, like, of particular importance. It's like, sure. legendary status. Yeah. 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 So, maybe there's some writing about it, or whatever. Yeah. Or it's just described throughout the family. Yeah. Not sure. But, yeah. This fight scene was amazing. The episode's really good. And yet, I think it could be better. So, Kyle, you mentioned a 20% uh, increase in quality of this episode. So how would you prescribe that happens? All right. So first order of business, it struck me as this fight was going on. I was like, is this the last fucking samurai? Are they Tom Cruise? The samurai is one of these two white guys. <laughs> like, was the? I mean, I think really it's supposed to be Hideo. Hideo. Yeah. It's supposed to be it. But it's got this very, like, Tom Cruise-y, <laughs> like, feel. Right. Was point one. So I think the first thing I would do is... Ken should be Asian. Okay. <laughs> like, he yeah. should actually be Japanese mm. to, like, avoid that, like, odd bit. Second point. They should know each other in the past. This is how I would have done this, to, like, amp up the tension on the honor portion of it and also to give a motivation to Kent doing some of the things he does throughout this episode. Those riders approach. One of them is Kent. He's coming to deliver a message from the Shogun. And he has the conversation with Hideo. Afterwards, he then talks to this other immortal and is like, look, he found me. Other, anyone else would have been dead. Like, this is special. Like, are we going to have beef? Don't do it. And he says, no, because of, like, honor and justice, like, this is the Lord's order. It must be carried out without exception. And that's the tension. He's like, no, the letter of the thing is this. Mm -hmm. Anything less is dishonorable. We're done here. Like, and if you interfere, we're going to have a problem. Otherwise, you know, you can go. So this happens. Hideo dies. That's that. They then see each other again. Over time, this like dedication to like the, the kind of like a brutal, ruthless interpretation of what honor demands doesn't mesh well in the 21st century. So it's this, even if they wanted to play with this whole like cuckold scenario, it's like his honor over the hundreds of years has not changed. So he's like, I must kill him to clean the stain on my honor. Right. It's not malicious. It's just what must happen. Very much like Mako has this, this yeah. sort of problem where his code of the law is, doesn't really drive too well with the subtleties of the 20th century or the modern era. Right. And then he confesses to her. He's like, I killed this guy. As far as I'm concerned, that satisfies your dishonor to me. That's the situation. She freaks out because obviously that's kind of a crazy thing to do in the 21st century. Right. She still kills him. And then the same problem reemerges. Like he doesn't want to possess her again, but she is attempted to kill him in a way that like must be answered. Right. She has to be punished for this because she tried to kill me and betrayed me. And right. like, it's not necessarily that he's angry about it, but that's what must happen. Right. And then Max steps in and it's like, no, like, I have to protect her. Like, 
she messed up, but like I am pledged to do this thing. Right. And that's the collision course. And like everything else kind of stays intact, but his his position is not inherently unreasonable, though incompatible with the 21st century and then they have to fight about it yeah and then that solves the problem where you have to like mansplain honor to midori because she is still threatened Mm -hmm. and granted she tried to kill him like she's not being pursued uh unreasonably necessarily but like there's more like there's ambiguity around her situation and then they just have to fight for their sense of honor and only one of them can make it. Yeah. I, I like having the honor be at stake for both characters. As you said, like they're they're on a collision course. Like these two codes of honor will inevitably collide with each other. Right. And I think that's I think would have allayed a lot of our concerns about this episode and would have just like put a nice thematic bow on the whole thing. But it is very good. And yeah. I like and I like the actor who played the villain oh, too. He does a phenomenal job so it's like yeah monkeying with it too much is maybe courting disaster i I had a note uh speaking of the the villain like i feel like the villain is in some ways kind of weak i mean but the actor completely crushes it and he also doesn't the way this episode is structured he doesn't need too much motivation i agree with you kyle that like that those things would make it better but i think he really serves his purpose well and the actor portrays him so well like he he reminds me a lot of the alexi character where it was like oh yeah which is like the character's bullshit but the villain's amazing Amazing. Yeah, but he's yeah. amazing just yeah. because he brought so much like style to it. And this guy brings so much like threatening, you know, this threatening nuance to it, which is pretty good. So, yeah, yeah. Kyle's point also just made me think of we know nothing about this guy as an immortal. No, like we don't know how old he is. Like we don't know what his story is at all. No. Uh, so that's a great point. And yeah, why isn't he Japanese? I, that's, yeah, I that's a great point. <laughs> yeah, I, like that maybe that just like bothered me more optically seeing these two guys fight fight with these two white guys fighting with like priceless samurai swords on like the yeah, the the beaches of Japan and it's yeah. like where's Tom Cruise? Like yeah. <laughs> well, perhaps it's time for some Watcher Chronicles if we want to learn a little bit more about Michael Kent. Oh yeah. Uh, since we didn't get too much from the episode. Ah, uh, so Michael Kent was first born in 1866 in Topeka, Kansas. <laughs> Topeka, Kansas. Uh, his Perfect. Fir- his first yeah. death was in 1911. Uh, he was caught in a threshing machine. Uh, his <laughs> first teacher was Orville Weber. Cultural affiliation is American. His occupation is a commodities broker. Ooh. Let's see to read about him. So this is he from- really reads as a commodities broker. Yeah, yeah. because most commodities brokers have goons, goons. right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hey, they're I advisors, need... <laughs> man. They're financial advisors. Yeah. I want to buy six tons of pork belly. Goon number one. <laughs> well, from his Watcher Chronicle, Kyle, the irony that one can ride pork futures. <laughs> what? <laughs> no way. Yes. Are you fucking kidding me? I swear. I can't believe that t- Around. Uh, pork futures and soybean forecasts to the penthouse in the legendary Ginza district of Tokyo was never lost on Michael Kent. Even while uh, Nippon Kent Enterprises was the foremost company at both the Tokyo Exchange and the Chicago Board of Trade, Kent, in many ways, still viewed himself as the poorly educated pig farmer he was at the time of his first death. And that self-image haunted him. Everything he had done since that first death, education, fine clothes, trophy wives, was an attempt to flee that image. Kent was intense, extremely serious to the point of humorless, driven to succeed at any price. He had little interest in taking heads, preferred to play the game of business, but true to his nature, he made sure he had the best sword and the best training money could buy. Not good enough, it turned out. (laughs) Mm. Isn't Superman from Kansas? That's right. Yes. And his name is Clark Kent. 
Oh, man. Shit. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> so Michael Kent is Superman's brother. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, grandpa or whatever. Grandpa. Distant cousin. Yeah, that's Amazing. good. Worlds collide. Worlds finest collide. Did we learn any lessons from Mac today? I feel like we did. It's Ooh. time for... You want to know by now. You want to know by now. Mac Attack. The lesson where, not every week, but every once in a while, we stop to reflect on the lessons we learned from Duncan McLeod. Eamon, what did you learn from Duncan McLeod this week? I learned that a... (laughs) We just talked like so much about the lessons we learned from this episode, and now we can't distill them. I learned that a promise is still a promise, even though n- nobody wants you to go through with it. <laughs> yeah, as I say, I learned that only a man can make an eternal vow. A woman can't release you from oh, it. Oh, boy. Sorry, yeah. Mac. That was too much. Yeah. yeah. It, it was rough. I'm like, now that we talk about it, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about the ending of this episode. I mean, I'm a little upset by it, frankly. I mean, Kent is a murderer. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah, that is definitively not why Matt kills him. I mean, in, yeah. in any other episode, the way this plays out ends up going fine. Like, Midori is like, I still don't want to be with him. And Mac does what needs to be done. And I think as viewers, we're all like, okay, like, that guy was shit. Mac is protecting her. But, like, the turn at the end where she's like, do not do this. It is not what I want. And that is not how I want to preserve my honor. And you're only involved in this because she came to you. Yeah. yeah. that's That becomes a huge wrench in the works. Mac also taught us to let your friend get beat up if it's good for a joke. Yes, it's a and great. It, was. it, it was is good. It is a yeah, great joke, right. though. Yeah. Wise a, as always. This will be comedic gold. Yeah, <laughs> eat it, Charlie. Yeah, oh, Charlie, Charlie. So I, I learned today. I learned from Mac that all Charlie's parts work. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> hey, all the parts work. Oh boy. We should do this more often. Guys, I think it's uh, it's been a little while since we played a game. That's not true. It's been a week since we played a game. All right, we maybe played a game on the Highlander Two podcast. It's hard mm. to tell. <laughs> it seems like it's been a while, but it's been a while. Um, it, what it has been a while since we've talked about is Highlander One. Oh yeah, what's this now? Yeah, Highlander One. So uh, since we've just finished Highlander Two, I thought it might be fun to do a little game where we revisit Highlander One. So we're gonna play a game of it's a kind of. Klein to clue. We're gonna play. We're gonna play. It's a kind of clue. uh, Highlander one style. So I'm gonna give you both uh, some cards. Oh God! Right, you're so good at this one, Eamon. This is the one where I said the answer every time. Every single time. Every single time. I'm sweating right now, (laughs) audience. Uh, So the only rules are you can give clues about the name or place or whatever the, the clue is on the card. Or the, the item is on the card. Uh, you just can't say that thing itself or a part of that word itself. You got that rule, Eamon? Uh, yeah. You have that one? You can't oh say what's uh, on and, the card. Uh, what is the time limit? I think we did 60 seconds. We did a minute last time minute? and we each had like seven. Right. All right, guys. So. Ugh. Very stressed. All right. So when I start the clock, you're going to turn this over and you're going to be giving these clues to Eamon. Ready. Right. Time starts now. Uh, second unit director. We interviewed him. Uh, 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 Andy Armstrong. Yes. Uh, this was the struggle between the United States and the Soviet Union that was going on at the time. Cold War. Uh, this is the wrestling act in the very beginning. Oh, shit. It's a uh, uh, song by that Alabama band. Uh, the, 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 nope, 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 uh, uh pass. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, uh, the fabulous Freebirds. There it was. Fuck. Uh, Connor wears this footwear the entire time. Oh, Adidas tennis shoes. Uh, what color are they? White. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna give you that one. Uh, this is a stone structure in the Highlands. Oh, uh, Stonehenge. Uh, uh, castle. Yeah. This is a Scottish instrument. Uh, bagpipes. Uh, this is the studio where it, it's filmed at the end. Silver cup. Yeah. Well done. Nice. Got Very good. You got seven, yes. and you got the fabulous, and you got them all done uh, in the uh, ahead of time. Nice. Mm. Uh, and you Ooh. got fabulous free birds because I gave you that one because you, you got, got it wrong last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I almost, almost got it wrong this time. Up. Yeah. Very generous for giving me that point because I passed on it. Mm. All right, Kyle, get ready for me to give you all the answers. <laughs> How'd you guys do at home, listeners? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Write us in and tell us your score. score. <laughs> we'll read them aloud. We won't. Yeah. It'll just be a series of numbers. Yep. We Five, won't. six, this guy's an idiot, one. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Eamon, are you ready to give clues to Kyle? There can in... be only one. What's Sorry. the name of the game again? It's a kind of clue. It's a kind of clue. It's a sloppy play on it's a kind of magic. It's Very a kind sloppy. of clue. <laughs> <laughs> then why did everyone sign on to it if it's so sloppy? Because we need something. Yeah, sloppy right. seconds in honor of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gross. Yep. All right, Piper Akira. <laughs> yeah. All right, Eamon, are you ready to give these clues to Kyle? Yes. And three, two, one. Uh, he did the music for Highlander 1. Michael Kamen. Uh, this is a movie about an evil pig that Russell Mulcahy... Uh, Razorback. Uh, ooh, this is a member of Queen who wrote music for this movie. I don't remember oh. which... Uh, before The month before June is... Uh, May? Yep. Uh, and the first name is... Uh, I'm just going to give you that one. Uh, <laughs> this is the coat that uh, Connor McLeod wears. Trench coat? Yep. Uh, this is the name of the woman that comes in and uh, entertains the Kurgan. Candy. Uh, that's right. Uh, this is uh, Ball Z. Dragon? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Good clue. This is something that Connor's compatriots and Connor wears. Kilts? In, yep. And that's it. You did it. Very good. What is his first name? Brian May. It's Brian May. The guitarist. That was, a, that was a hard one. I know. I was trying to switch it up a little. That was yeah. probably the trickiest one in the whole bunch. I don't know how I could have gotten you to say Brian. I don't know what clue I guess, yeah. <laughs> that could be. But. The dog on Family Guy. Oh, that's a yeah, good one. Go. Yeah. There we go. Dinner right. and a Family Guy. Good job, guys. Yeah, yeah that was fun. Points. That was a good one. Fun time. So uh, at the end of the day, we always rate these episodes out of five. Kyle. How many uh, out of five slices of raw octopus would you give this episode? This gets four and a half slices of raw octopus from me. Very I think, good. I think it would have hit five if not for that discussion at the end, frankly. <laughs> but it's yeah. very good overall. Eamon, how many out of five uh, jealous, cuckolded husbands would you give this? <laughs> I think I have to go with Kyle's four and a half cucks for this episode. <laughs> four and a half cucks. See, yeah. I'm a thought leader. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then out of uh, five Scottish Scottish bodies, uh, I would give this, I think I might go the full five. I was the really debating full this. full Monty. The full five on this one. It's uh, the best episode of this show we've seen. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's any arguing that. And also, like, I don't know. I, I worry, like, giving a full five. It's like... I don't know. Is any episode ever perfect? But no. this gets as close as most of these episodes can get. So I'm yeah. giving it five. This is a must-see. Is yeah. there better episodes than this to come? There's some very so good episodes. Very but good as we said, up. this one ticks all those boxes yeah. really well. So good stuff. Yeah, it's... 
Uh, write us in this week. Tell us what you think the honorable thing to do and what the moral thing to do have been in this yeah, situation. Yeah, if they are different, let us know. Yeah, yeah. Would, would these things have not been the same? It's good stuff. Davis Panzer has a really cool poster uh, that's inspired by this episode. Uh, Davis Panzer put together a really nice poster of Duncan McLeod. Uh, it's kind of like a side story to this episode, uh, yeah. which is pretty cool. So. Yeah, it's him in his Japanese garb mm-hmm. wielding his sword. It's a it's a cool piece of art. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so next week, join us for episode two of season three in the line of fire. I can't wait to talk about this one. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, I love that episode. So <laughs> sign up. It's going to be great. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so thanks for joining us. I've been one of your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. Bye. Bye-bye. See you. Yeah, and then he just starts finger blasting. Very rapey and gross. And then I'm just like, I don't know. You want her her to take a shower first? Oh, Oh, no. Oh, God. You want her to take a shower first? I don't want Akira's remnants on me. Oh, Oh. (laughs) this is why the viewers tune in. That's right.